Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast about disrupting your life to spark new evolution. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. Good to go. Miles, did you get new glasses? God, you're the third person today to ask me about these new glasses. So I, I'm not going to turn my computer around, but you know, I have this wall full of glasses. And... Well, I know you've got a lot, but those, I, I like those. The reason I ask is because you look really good, but I've, I'm also kind of being a little bit selfish too, because I've got glasses that are almost identical that I just picked up a few weeks ago. Oh, so that was a narcissistic <laughs> Do you have new glasses? They're just no. like mine. You look good in them because you have my glasses. You actually look better. Now mine are mine are a little more clear, but I really like those glasses. So uh, so you well, got some these, new ones, huh? These are these are a year old, but they've never been worn. So I decided so I have these rows of glasses, but then I have another row of glasses that's that are in cases. And these were one of the glasses in cases I started wearing this week. So I took these out and I took the pink ones out. Decided nice. to give myself a different look. So. I like it. You got yes. the bright red disrupt shirt on tonight, and uh, you got the glasses. So, you, so you look very studious, and you're wearing the color red, which is a truly disruptive color, right? <laughs> you know what? I, I, I'm gonna say yes to just kind of like go along, but I'm reading a really interesting book, and and the book has to do with we create meaning anywhere we want, and so disruptive does not necessarily have to, red. Red doesn't mean disruptive. Red could just mean calm and cool and warm, which is how I'm feeling. So I don't feel disruptive, but I am advertising a little bit of disruption. So you've got this almost, what do you call it? Duality going on, warm and calm, but disruptive. Well, so tonight we're gonna be a little dualistic. We wanna create a sense of warm and calm, but we're gonna disrupt a little bit tonight. I mean, I think tonight, I, I'm really excited about this conversation. I know you are too. This is a topic that you and I have talked about extensively. Yeah, yeah, um, we've played we've with this some, a lot. We have, we've thrown different theories out there, different ideas, and it's something that I think it's uh, it's become really close to me, especially in the last uh, probably 10 plus years, as I've, uh, I've, I've been in situations with uh, friends and, and uh, to have conversations about this and then to uh, to realize how real and how scary this is. And so I want to make sure our listeners understand that tonight, as we get into this topic, to, uh, that we that they understand we're going to be talking about uh, mental health. We're going to be talking about suicide. We're going to talk about suicide attempts. We're going to, uh, so if anybody might be triggered by this, this may not be the episode for you. We're going to get as real and raw as we can. And we have an amazing guest uh, to bring onto the show to talk about uh, her experience. And not only her experience that she has been through, uh, maybe on the darker side of it, but helping to come into the light and helping other people come into the light. So there should be a little bit of a dualistic feel to this, a little bit disruptive. And, but at the same time, we hope to bring some peace and calm to people as we go into it. I don't know if and, you should have said she's amazing yet, because that might put pressure on. I think we should have done the interview, and then after the interview, it was like, wow, she's amazing. But now the pressure is on for her to be 
absolutely yeah there's there's amazing. no pressure because we just speak the truth <laughs> on here and you and i both know her and we already know that she's amazing so and with that folks we want to welcome you to another episode of the evolve podcast uh, joining us from oberlin ohio is the most interesting man that i know w miles riley welcome miles hey, Steve. Hi, and Steve. sitting Hi, in the mountains of utah i am steve cutler uh, like I said, tonight we are joined by a beautiful soul. Uh, we are joined by Erica Olson. Erica says, I've always known I was meant to be a teacher, coach, or a leader in some way. I've been involved in and connected to health and wellness industry for most of my life. Growing up, Erica was a, uh, wanted to become a college athlete, and that process brought out her passion for movement. Nowadays, Erica says, my real source of inspiration for what I do was my suicide attempt. Since then, my life has taken me in a beautiful direction of becoming a yoga therapist. Erica is a 500-hour therapeutic registered yoga teacher, and she intends to bring therapeutic yoga and yoga therapy into the offices of mental health professionals and psychiatric hospitals. Erica Olson, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Hello, I'm so excited. So great to see you. I don't, I don't remember the last time that uh, that we've seen each other, but uh, great to see you yeah. and great to talk to you tonight. Yeah. Well, I let's let's dive right in. I mean, um, you you've been somebody that's been really active your whole life, and so being a part of yoga and being in in movement and health and wellness, you know, I think probably wouldn't surprise anybody that has known you for a long time. Uh, but I want to kick it, kick it back to the point in your life that really changed things. You mentioned that the source of inspiration was your suicide attempt. Talk a little bit about how that's become such a source of inspiration for you. Yeah, absolutely. It was needless to say, um, and I will just reiterate this once more as we go into these topics, I invite those of you who are listening to honor yourselves and your intuition if it's guiding you and telling you that maybe this isn't the episode to listen to. Mm -hmm. um, so as I touch base in this, just something to be mindful of, and we're speaking of this in a, in a way that this is where I currently am, and this was my experience. I in no way claim or try to claim to be any form of mental health therapist, counselor, coach, or anything, doctor of any sort. Um, but needless to say, what, what happened for me was my mentor and dear, dear friend, whom you both know, Keisha Sawyer, um, she had taken me under her wing for a few years. I met her through uh, my previous job, and when things were, were getting really, really dark. She inspired me to dive deeper into my practice, my yoga practice. And this was the perfect timing for this to happen because my college softball career had just come to an end due to an injury and my diagnosis was my chronic illness. I had returned home to live with my parents, which absolutely adore them. But once you're out and then go back in, it's a really hard adjustment to make again. Um, and combined with as well as what I was going through with my physical body and the inability to move and um, move in the way that I wanted to um, was just really hindering, hindering my mental health. Um, there's, of course, a handful of things that played into it. 
um, those of which I've discovered through opening up and sharing my story just aren't really that important. Um, everybody, I mean, they're important to me, but as for the message I'm trying to portray, it's, it's not important to share all the little details of the why behind um, my suicide attempt, but in the mindfulness of others who experience these ideations and, and, and these thoughts and these feelings and emotions is every bit and piece and every ounce of what you're feeling is valid. It doesn't matter if you've been through hell and high water or if you haven't, we all are human and we are, we are all the same and we have the ability to experience being the same thing, but in a different way. So what depression might look like to me might look like something completely different to another person. And the only area where I do believe we aren't going to be the same is the way we perceive those things, those thoughts, those experiences, the things that make up the grounds that give us the darkness. Um, and so in the midst of all of that, I felt so safe and confident in sharing with my mentor, Keisha, what was happening. And um, she just guided me to movement. She said, breath and movement is all you need. Breath and movement is all you need. And at that time, I'd been practicing yoga for about five years, but not anything seriously. I started when I was like 12, 13, went to my first yoga class and was trying yoga and very westernized versions of yoga. Um, and then after my suicide attempt was one of the most unbelievably spiritual experiences I've ever had in my entire life, if not the, I would say some of my recovery and in some of my meditations, I'm able to, um, to tap into my spirituality in a, in, in a, in a really strong way, but almost, I honestly wouldn't even say that it was the same as what my attempt put me through. My spiritual connection was everything. And so um, once I was able to connect physical movement and my spirituality as well, it just absolutely changed the way I perceived everything, the way I perceived my mental health, the way I perceived my therapeutic treatments with literal mental health professionals, the way I perceived my whole experience in the psychiatric unit. And so um, it was the, the perfect time to really dig into my physical practice and what that actually meant and what yoga actually was and what yoga actually is. And so, um, yeah, that's what, I've, that's what I've been working on. So talk a little bit about that. I mean, um, you, you had reached a point where you were, uh, you were in, a, in a dark place. Um, there was a suicide attempt there. Um, where, where did you go from there? I mean, we know where you're at right now. We know that you went on a path to study yoga in a deeper way, to learn more about it, uh, to help other people. Uh, talk, to, talk to people a little bit about what, what the path looked like for you. Yeah, it was a roller coaster. If I had to sum it up into one word, it'd be roller coaster. And progressively over time, I've discovered that that's kind of cliche. Of like, oh, it's a roller coaster of emotions. But it's like, but that that's so real. That the highs and the lows are drastic. I'm talking within a matter of seconds. I could go from being up high to all the way down low, laughing and smiling and happy to I'm done with this again. I, I there's no point. Of course. I did go through a period of time afterwards and a lot of suicide survivors I know who have openly shared their story. I, I feel I find um, kind of 
kind of repetition and, and saying that they felt a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a really large chunk of time where I was just angry. I was so angry that it didn't work. Like, okay, I can't get anything right. And this is my final resort and I still can't get this right. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, obviously I, I just, I can't get anything right. No matter what I do, it's never going to be good enough. No matter how much I want something that was kind of the rabbit hole that I started falling into. And so then came the little bits and pieces of your subconscious that pops in and it's like, okay, now I have to go talk to my family. I have to go talk to my friends. I have to go explain to people where I've been and the people who are really close with me, they knew all the signs were there and they knew and they did absolutely everything they could. But when it comes down to it, nobody, I don't want to say nobody can change your mind, but it's almost like, you know, once you're set, you're set. And Mm -hmm. I, I was so peaceful with that. One of the one other places aside from my spiritual journey that I've discovered in my waking, I've discovered after my attempt was as I was writing my letters and as I drove around all of my places, I, I was really peaceful with my decision. And I say decision and not choice because a really valuable lesson I learned is there's a really, really big difference between decision versus choice. And so if you take what's at the end of the word decide versus choose side is put in words like suicide homicide and what does side mean it means to eliminate Mm -hmm. versus choose means i'm consciously choosing something even though i'm aware that there are multiple options here so when i decide something i'm deciding on one thing instead of the other i'm eliminating the other thing and so i made the decision to attempt suicide hmm. i yeah, made the yeah. decision so the root of and the word is to cut off right to cut exactly. off all your options right mm-hmm. yeah and um i i made that decision and i was feeling really really peaceful with it and um afterwards then just filled with anger because i felt almost as if and again this is my experience um I felt almost as if I finally could breathe again once I made that decision mm. and I was so at peace with it. It, it was really bizarre, honestly. Um, and then afterwards when I was super, super angry, it just, it, I was angry that I had finally obtained this form of peace and then now it was gone again. And it, in my mind, everything that happened was now just going to be, like the root of just absolute chaos and re- just be so chaotic and awful on everyone and everything. And I'm going to have to explain so much and I'm going to be that girl. And it was just, it was, there was a lot of anger for a long time. And then through my yoga practice and through experiencing therapeutic yoga, um, I learned the way to move my emotions and move my energy with my body and with my breath. Um, and so then I was able to turn that anger and literally manifest it, cut cords with it, release it. And I 
now people call me sunflower and sunflower is like kind of my my logo and my thing because um when I cut cords with my traumas when I cut cords with the things that have happened to me low vibrational frequencies that take me over the suicidal thoughts that still come just last night it's still it, it happens and it just happens and I've accepted that it's just like a cloud and they're always going to be there and I can acknowledge them, but I don't have to hold on to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way I manifest them is I release them and wish for them to manifest into something beautiful and I um, manifest them to turn into sunflowers. So bits and pieces of my trauma and the things that have happened to me, um, I essentially, I'm mentally turning into sunflowers. Obviously, I can't literally turn it into sunflowers, but... Every time I see a sunflower, it just reminds me of where I came from and where I'm at. Because sunflowers are, you see them popping out of like the cracks on the freeway and random spots all the time. Yeah, Yeah, they're everywhere. It doesn't matter what they're planted in. It can be the worst of soil and they're still going to grow towards the sun and radiate their beautiful bright light. And so that's my goal is to turn my traumas into something that I could not be this. I could not be me without those things that anger, the peace, everything that went into it, I would, I don't even know how I could exist without those pieces of it. Like the story just doesn't make sense without it. And um, yeah, that's kind of what I've experienced. So I, a couple of things that I really resonate with me. I think the first one that when you talk about the anger and the peace and the, the darkness and the light, you know, if we sit and watch a play or a movie, that isn't really entertaining. There's always a struggle. Everybody goes through that struggle. We love watching the struggle on television. We love watching the struggle on the movie because we know at some point there's going to be some sort of happy ending, right? We love a great uh, hero's journey story. But in a way, it's almost deceiving because I think like what you talked about, the, the thoughts might not ever go away. They may still be there. And I think that's one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough relative to mental health, that it's not always a completely, okay, I'm healed, I've eradicated this, and I will never have another suicidal thought in my life. Talk a little bit more about that, and talk about how, as as you've grown, and you've healed, and you've gone through this practice, that you've come to accept the fact that that might be uh, something that you continue to carry, carry with you throughout life. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the first, um, the very first thing, as soon as I got out of the psychiatric unit, you were assigned a psychiatrist and a psychologist. And so my psychologist, my therapist, I went in and met with the one that they had assigned to me. She was a female and I just did not, I, I just couldn't do it. My, my walls were up. I couldn't open up to her. She just didn't, it wasn't a right fit for me. So I kind of played around with a couple different options for therapists and then I finally found the right fit for me and the very first thing that he told me is Erica I have a mantra I want you to take home and as soon as he said mantra I was like whoa okay you're my type of person and um, he had his little crystals in his office and he had a little zen garden over in the corner so I knew we would connect Um, but he said it affects you but it isn't about you and he wrote that down on a little sticky note and drew a little sunshine and Beautiful it's sun. out on my dashboard ever since. And I've learned, um, so that, that ties into my next connection of, of how I cope or handle or live, exist simultaneously with these 
passive or maybe they're aggressive thoughts. And um, I found that I connect myself and I understand myself when I connect to nature. So I try to make an understanding of what I'm experiencing and find it somewhere in nature. And where I found the thoughts was in the clouds, kind of like I mentioned before. And um, he taught me another um, really great, great quote that goes hand in hand with the clouds is if you were to stand in front of a mirror, it's not going to leave out one of the freckles on your face, one of the flyaways, something going on in the background. It's not going to leave that out. But also, when I step out of the frame of the mirror, it's also not going to hold on to my reflection. It acknowledges mm. there. I can still see the reflection, but it's not going to hold on to it. And so I, um, the quote is, a yogi is like a mirror in that it reflects everything, but holds on to nothing. And um, I turned that into then also the clouds is I'm be the exact same cloud ever again, but I am going to see similar clouds, very similar clouds all the time, every day. Yeah. They're always going to be there. Even if it is a blue sky day, that's great. But how rare is that? There's normally something, some little cloud up there somewhere. Yeah. And we have the option to, be on a bright blue sky day and see some of the little clouds up in the sky and say, ah, crap, there's a bunch of clouds in the sky. Today's ruined. Or we can acknowledge, yeah, they're there. They might get in the way of the sun, but it's still a sunny day. And what I turned that into was when I experienced some, some sort of passive thought, I acknowledged it. And I acknowledged, you know, there's a cloud in the sky. There's a thought in the air. But I don't need to hold on to you. I'm, I'm going to give you my loving awareness is what it comes down to. I am loving awareness. It's a beautiful Ram Dass song quote um, and meditation. But I am going to give you my awareness. There you are. You exist today. However, you don't serve me. But maybe in other times it is going to serve me. Maybe I'm getting sunburned and I need that cloud to hop in the way of the sun. Maybe I do need those thoughts sometimes to come in to remind me of where I came from where I was or where I've been. Um, <clears throat> and so I'm able to connect that in numerous ways to also weather, um, you know, like when it's stormy outside or the different seasons, it's really however it decides to manifest and whatever connection you decide to find with what the universe is able to create. And so um, I went from sitting down in his office and being told, well, Erica, you have generalized anxiety disorder and depression and bipolar disorder and uh, you need to take all of these pills here's six different medications to take and go take this let us numb you down and then you'll essentially be just I don't know I felt like a potato when I was on such a big combination of medications um, but it was exactly what I needed exactly what I needed at that time because then and, and I didn't understand that I think I was so like, ooh, no, I don't want to do this. I want to be able to, you know, connect to the universe and make sense of it this way and stay away from medicine and all the Western practices. But then instead I learned the way to integrate Eastern and Western medicine. And so um, I'm able now to give my loving awareness to I'm falling into a manic episode right now or I'm falling into a depressive episode right now, but I'm making some, it's just like a hurricane today. 
maybe today's a hurricane, maybe tomorrow will be a tsunami, maybe the next day will be an earthquake, maybe it's going to be a hailstorm. I, I really like to compare my emotions to um, the weather because, I mean, as obnoxious as weather can be, I mean, don't get me wrong, I get really frustrated in the wintertime especially, <laughs> but um, it, it's still, it, we still exist. We still live here. The weather still happens. It still rains. It still pours, but it still is sunny as well. Um, yeah, I love so the connections to weather. And I think it's a great, it's a great analogy. And I think it, uh, as I'm hearing you, it sounds like you've created a, a lot of meaning for yourself as you've made these connections. And I think it's a beautiful way to look mm -hmm. at it, that um, weather happens. You know, there's beauty in snow, there's beauty in rainstorms, lightning, thunder. Um, oh, yeah. If we had sunshine all the time, it wouldn't be very good. And I think that, uh, that helps to create a lot of meaning for life. Uh, you also brought something else up I want to touch on. You know, when you talked about the uh, combination of Eastern and West, Western, or what we call allopathic, allopathic medicine, um, you know, far too often it seems like uh, if you find somebody who has an Eastern mentality, then they, are, they, they want to stay away from the Western medicine. Western medicine doesn't always incorporate things like mindfulness and yoga and meditation into it. And I think it's a miss on both ends from my perspective. Mm -hmm, but definitely. there are phases. And as you mentioned before, as you went through this phase or this stage of your initial recovery in the allopathic way, um, that's an important piece. And I think that uh, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, talk a little bit about how you went, how you were able to accept that, okay, this is the next step in my path. I need to experience Western medicine at some point then you shifted and you started to combine Western and Eastern philosophies. But how did you get to the point of acceptance and then starting to go into a transition of where you could combine those things? Yeah, yeah, great question. I, I grew up in a, family, uh, in a family that's very, um, you know, like get your vaccines, go to all of your checkups, like doctors are everything, they know everything, whatever they say, anything that they yeah. tell you, yes, 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 go do that. And which I love that it kept me, it, it kept me safe. I mean, I'm an, a grown adult now. So maybe the way I will raise my children is something a little bit different, but either sure. way, it, it, I was able to experience that and then discover my truth with Eastern practices on my own. It had nothing to do with them. So I've been able to take what I grew up and what I was raised knowing as what was right and really the only option. And then my spirituality is what took me in this other direction. And then I've been able to combine the two. And so where that's come hand in hand is at the beginning stages of it, I was all for, you know, yep, give me all the medications you need to. I've gone untreated for way too long. It was, I was experiencing my first symptoms of um, depression and anxiety disorder when I was 12 years old. And that's when I also first started self-harming. And I went all through my teens and into my 20s. I was 20 years old when I finally got on a medication um, that ended up not working out for me. It did the opposite. And then mm -hmm. another one, it was, it was a lot of experimenting, which was frustrating, super frustrating mm -hmm. because you yeah. think, oh, this is supposed to, this, you know, this magic pill is supposed to make me feel better. It's my happy pill. And then I developed just this like, toxic and unhealthy relationship with medications not in an abusive way but just I had 
you know, like you were saying, the color red, we can charge those objects with different meanings of what we're conditioned and what we, what we think we know. Um, but anything you can learn, you can unlearn at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I went into it and was like, yes, 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 give me all of the medications, was taking them, was experimenting. And then my chronic illness came in to have a chat and was like, yo, this isn't working out. <laughs> we, you can't be putting all this stuff into your body. It's just, if you've ever read the book, Body Keeps the Score, it's your body manifests what it tell you in different ways and different sensations in the physical body. And right. so it was telling me, you got to stop. Like you're, you're just, it was getting really dangerous as well with how low my body weight was. So there were a number of things that went into it of needing to make changes. And fortunately, um, I had built the courage and confidence. And I say this because sometimes we go into the offices of mental health professionals and it's almost intimidating. Like you're, you're in so much pain or you're so low that you can't really speak for yourself and you can't express your truth and what you really want to say. Simply just don't have, it in you, you just can't. It's hard but to I finally, yeah. yeah, yeah, I finally had the courage to be like, you know, I don't, I don't really like this. I want to try things that like mindfulness and breathing and meditation. This is what my mentor said to try. What do you think of this? And so I took something I was already discovering my underlying passion for and taking it to my medical health professional, which I will tell, I tell all of my clients, all of my students all the time, if anything I tell you resonates and you want to add it into your life, take it to your doctor. Always, always consult a physician beforehand, um, before adding in anything, taking anything out, because I'm, I'm just here to, to be a, a friend to lean on, you know, to be there to support you and help you heal in a holistic approach. Um, and so I, was able to take the things that I was learning from my mentors and take them to my therapist and ask his thought process. And he just constantly, he just kept throwing up his arms and sitting back and like, what the hell, Erica, you've got this figured out. I wish everybody else would ask me this question. I wish everybody else would be more willing. This is stuff that we're trying to get more patients to do, but they just don't have the openness to it because it's uncomfortable, but you're already 10 steps ahead. Yeah, go do yoga if you find yourself in a manic state and you need to get out of it. It's a beautiful form of therapy. And I was like, ooh, doing yoga for therapy. And then I started talking to my mentors more and more about it, got into it more and more. And that's where I discovered what therapeutic yoga was. And um, that's when I just lit up. I was like, oh, yes, this is my calling in life. This is everything I'm meant to be doing. But then reality sits in, sets in, your trauma sets in, everything that you've just been for been through comes through and it just smacks you in the face and it's like, hey, but you still have a bunch of healing you need to do first before you can help other people with this and before you can do anything else. You gotta you gotta on it on your own and it takes time. There's yeah. there's no way to tell how long it's gonna take one person or another person I'm still going through it, like we said, every single day. And so it takes so much time, but being able to integrate the two and see if it worked for me too. I was, I was also kind of skeptical. I'm like, "Mm, maybe I want to keep this separate. Like I want to keep my like health and fitness side separate from my mental health side. But then I learned how huge the mind and body connection actually is. Everybody says like, Ooh, mind body connection, but 
the mind-body connection is absolutely everything. It is everything, really. The, that combination of moving your body and connecting to the mind, it's, it is everything. And it, um, you talked about yoga for therapy. You talked about that if you're in a manic state, yoga is a great uh, way for you. I, I want to I frame this up in, in um, the, I don't know if this is the right word, but I'm going to use it anyway, drugs. Right? We take drugs for a lot of different things. Um, most of us wake up and we take the most popular psychoactive drug uh, in the morning. We drink our mm -hmm. coffee or we get our energy drink and we drink caffeine. And that's the most popular psychoactive drug in the entire world. All of us are medicating. We're medicating with a uh, pill. We're medicating with food. We're medicating with... Uh, entertainment, with screens, with movement, we're medicating and medicating and medicating. But depending on how we're feeling, those medication doses need to be different. And so if you're in a manic state, maybe yoga is the way to go. If you're in a depressive state, um, I mean, you don't see it here, and our listeners don't see it, but I've got a heavy bag in my office here because if I am in a state uh, where I'm feeling low, I'm feeling a sense of depression, or I feel anger, like you were talking about. If the winds and the storms are going on inside of me, I need a place to get that out. And I've found that that's much better on the punching bag than almost anywhere else. And oh, yeah. for a long time, I was afraid of some of those things. You know, I thought that uh, growing up, everything needed to be loving and peaceful. And there were points in my life where I looked at some thoughts or I looked at some uh, habits in my life and I... I uh, I tried the loving, peaceful way, and finally I just looked at it and said, fuck off. Get the hell out of here. That's not my thought. It's a thought going through my mind, and you can go fuck off because I'm not going to use you, and I'm not going to pay attention to you anymore. And the cool thing about that is that over time, those thoughts have diminished uh, their frequency and their intensity. So I think that there's a different way. Everybody, depending on where you're at and in, in the moment, and I love how you're talking about uh, what I would almost describe as an experimental way. Not, not experimental mm -hmm. in terms of you're just going willy-nilly. I love how you said, hey, I brought my medical professional into this. But you have mentors, you have teachers, you have coaches, and you have your medical professional, and you're, you're very open and honest about that. Um, talk a little bit more about this process of finding what's working for you, because I think that that's one of the most important keys a drug that works for one person in this particular situation at this particular time is not the, the drug that's going to work for everybody, right? We have to find our own combination of drug. And by drug, mm -hmm. I truly mean lifestyle, food, movement, mental health practices, meditation, and it could be prescription drug depending on what your medical professional is. But what's that been like for you to go through that exploratory process? Yeah, it's been beautiful. I will say, of course, and I will say this time and time again, there's so many lows that come with it, but they're so beautiful. Yeah. And I can't help but find grace in them because here I am sobbing for absolutely no reason at all. I don't know what the reason is. And my body is purging, it's releasing, it's getting rid mm -hmm. of whatever that low vibrational frequency that's manifesting in my body is, whether it manifests as a stomach ache or anxiety or an achy shoulder or a joint or something in some form, I'm, I'm purging and I'm letting go. And the reason I said that first is because 
I have, as I've gone through my awakening and I call it my awakening, I call like my experimental process and everything. I call it my spiritual awakening. Um, and it, it's where I've just discovered that we're so small. We, we really are so small and there's the, the universe is so much greater than us. But right now, all we know is ourselves. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, when you're sitting there with those thoughts and you're sitting on the bathroom floor, wherever it might be, at the end of the day, it's, it's you versus you. That's what it comes down to. And I, as I was going through this process, I found myself there a lot. It was me versus me. There's so many different ways this moment right now could go. I could go in multiple different directions. I would like to place a small trigger warning for my next statement um, for the listeners. Specifically, what I mean by this is I have had, and it happened even just a couple of weeks ago, and I was so proud of myself. I had a moment where I had a wonderful day, wonderful day. Everything was great. Taught a beautiful class, got incredible moments with some of my students. Um, It was nice and sunny outside in cold Salt Lake, and so it was nice to feel a little bit warmer temperatures. And I finally got into bed, and everything was good, and all of a sudden, I just broke down. And I started to feel myself lose my breath. I I lost control of my breath. And once you lose the control Mm -hmm. of your breath, that's breath is your life force. Your pranayama is your life force. It's everything. And so the second we lose control of our breath, we've really given ourselves access to losing control. So our breath is how we get everything back. And um, all of a sudden, I just was like, I I need self-harm. I've been clean for 517 days and I was just really trying so hard to fight the urge. And, but simultaneously at that same time, as I was falling asleep, I was going into my feeling and dedicating my day and everything that my day and putting it into my intention and going through my manifestations. That's what helps put me to sleep. And I guide myself, myself through some breath work. And all of a sudden I was just like, I was hit by a train and it was like, go self-harm. And I was like, where the hell did this come from? And it was really frustrating. And I just took a moment and I stayed connected and I brought my breath back. And I was like, that's not going to serve me. You are not welcome here. Like you just said, I said, get the fuck out, leave. You are not welcome here. This is my space. I'm doing something else. This cloud, this storm, you are not welcome here. And by creating that space and by verbally also manifesting that you are not welcome here in this space. I am love and light and anything less than that is not welcome here. Leave now and you command it to leave. I just saw that I got rid of it and I could physically almost feel like it was just coming like out of my skull and it it just left and then I was able to tune back into what I was doing and in that moment I realized that everything I had been doing over the course of the past two and a half years was paying off like I did that I just took control I took my control back and I was so so excited but then like a couple nights ago it happened again and getting my control back wasn't as easy but that's okay because I honored that too and I was still I understand that I'm working and I'm learning and um through through my spiritual awakening, I just had to play around and learn from so many different people. You just, my Keisha, she tells me all the time, be a student. You're a student everywhere you go. I never fail. I only succeed or I learn. Mm -hmm. And in the moments where I learn is where my my failures 
is where I learn the most. It's where I'm my best student. And so taking those experiences where I did a lot of trial and error, seeing what worked, you know, I tried the juice cleanse and I tried the like changing my routine. And honestly, I got a little taken away in social media during that time as well, because that was during the pandemic and social media was popping, TikTok was popping, and it was all about the aesthetic and living this life and mm. all of the things. And I have a relatively larger platform on social media. And so that was like the expectation. And so I had to just disconnect from anything that just wasn't actually serving me. And I just had to sit with it. You Ultimately, you, you, you sit with it. <laughs> and there's a lot of sitting and you've got to sit in the yuck and the muck and the not so fun and the weird sensations where you want to just get out and stop and no, 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 I don't like this, the fight or flight. And so during that time, I just, I learned the, the biggest thing I learned during it was take what resonates and leave what doesn't. Yeah. Because that way I can always be a student, no matter who it is, no matter where I go. Maybe I always say the most frustrating people in my life are my biggest teachers. I learned so, so much from them. The easy people, they're, they're easy going. What are you going to learn from that? There's no challenge there. Right. I mean, of right. course, there's things you're going to learn from those people, but it's it's the frustrating people that you learn the most from, and they're our biggest teachers. And so during that time, I, you know, I went to different retreats and different things, and there'd be something that one person, one teacher or one person would say, and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? That's so dumb. Like, why are you? why are you sharing that with people? First of all, like there were little moments where I was like, what am I doing here? Like all these people don't know what they're talking about. And then my, that's my ego taking over. And it's like, wait, no, there's something for me to learn here. So my intention just became be a student in everything that I do. I'm walking down the street, be a student. What am I learning here? There's always something to learn and perceive and, and obtain. And so um, <clears throat> during that course of time, yeah, I was all about, understanding that I'm here to learn I'm here in this life and this existence to learn and develop and just because I'm an adult now I still think I'm 12 years old <laughs> but even though I'm an adult now there's I still am learning every single day every single breath I take and every single second that goes by in this lifetime I'm existing in I'm learning something I'm learning something about myself I'm learning that I don't like the fabric of this shirt just sitting here I'm learning that I love palm tree. You know, it's all all kinds of stuff. There's there's things yeah. that you can learn within yourself when you also just sit there, what you're experiencing, and acknowledge and bring awareness to what's happening. I think one of the worst mental health practices that we have is that we we don't we don't shift our identities enough, and we don't we don't put ourselves into that identity of being a student. You know, my uh, in fact, my wife and I were talking about this this morning. She made a comment and. She's got the same horrible habit that I've had for years that uh, we talk about something and then we reference it to our age, but somehow that fucking matters, right? Somehow being 45 years old is supposed to mean that I'm, I'm supposed to be at this stage of life in this particular area. And she mentioned something and she said, oh, you know, I'm frustrated that I can't even remember what it was. And I said, look, I, I do the same thing you're doing right now. Um, but I think it's an extremely emotionally abusive thing that we do to ourselves, where we identify that we're supposed to be at certain places at certain times of life. And that's just not the case. It doesn't matter if you're 45 or 85, you're still going to be learning. And you're learning and your path is going to be unique to you. 
Uh, and this idea that at some point we should be at a certain place, somehow this is going to be uh, something that we should be at, right? And I just think that's a, that's a, that's a difficult piece. One of the things, Erica, that I, that I really value about what you bring into the table is you're talking about, um, you're talking about mental health, emotional health, and your suicide attempt as a very matter-of-fact thing. And as you said before, you know, do you talk about it because you want to be known as that person? Mental health, uh, I, I still think, even in our day and age, we're in the day and age, we're in the early stages of this discussion being something that's normal. And the reason I say that is twofold. One, we feel like it's taboo still. You know, we don't mm -hmm. talk about that. Sadness, depression, anxiety, some of these challenges and disorders that, uh, mental health uh, from a mental health standpoint. The other reason I think that it's still far too early in our conversation about mental health is that we, we only talk about the challenges and we don't talk about enough about the things that bring positive mental health. I mean, when I think about my physical health, I don't sit down and think to myself, oh, what am I going to do to prevent cancer? What am I going to do to prevent a heart attack? And what am I like? That might be in the back of my mind. But what I'm thinking about is, hey, can I exercise so I can get stronger, feel better, look better, right? There's a positive aspect to it. And I think that once we start to discuss mental health from a full 360 view, we're discussing the challenges, we're discussing the dark times, and we're learning from those dark times and turning them into the positives. I think that as a society, that's where we truly progress. That's part. That's one of the biggest parts of this conversation that fascinates me, and I believe is uh, is truly courageous of you to talk about the darkness and talk about the light along with it. Because if we don't talk about both, we're only we're not even getting half the story. This is a full yeah. three sixty sphere that we've got to look at, um, and the winter times of our of our existence, uh, they 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 help to make us appreciate the summertime. So I think it's a beautiful thing what you're talking about and how you're talking about both sides. Yeah, I love that you brought that up because um, the, the, when I brought up social media too, is I was finding through the worst, hands down the worst time of my life and the time leading up to my attempt, everybody all over my social media and this life that I was portraying on social media was like, oh, you're so perfect, everything looks so amazing, I want your life, I want this yeah. that you have, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, little do you know I'm sitting behind a screen, a mess, I am a mess. I don't even look like yeah. this person, I don't feel this way. And that's why I was just like, I have, opening up about it, when I first originally posted, I, I posted like a year later about my attempt, um, I just needed to get the message out there because I was like, I'm having way too many people like, oh, Erica, you're doing so amazing. But I was just absolutely crushed bits to pieces and I I couldn't hold myself together for anyone. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I, I opened that up and everybody, immediately everybody was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for talking about this. I had so many, I have it in my mental health bubble and my Instagram, so many messages of people who were like, you talking about this literally saved me. I've looked at you as this, like influencer with this beautiful, amazing life and that like no harm could be done in your life, but 
opening up about this. Like I go through this, I'm experiencing this. I have this, I have an eating disorder. I self-harm, like I've attempted suicide. I have anxiety. I really love yoga. I want to try that. And it's so many people, it just brought almost like a community of people together. And I've connected with some of them amazing people because of it and it's just I will until the day I return home to my creator I will keep talking about it no matter how uncomfy it gets because it's that's exactly like why is it uncomfortable I we we need to talk about it in a trauma-sensitive way absolutely absolutely but we also and not but and we need to talk about it let's have these conversations because what's happening when these when we're experiencing the depression, when we're experiencing these dark times is it's a dialogue going on in our head and we're not talking about it. We're literally just fighting ourselves. It's you versus you again. And so that's the part that's just, it's devastating. And I hold so much space for those who were unable to continue their fight, but fought as hard as they could and, you know, got to that point and returned home and, it's now just our goal to raise the vibration of, of the planet, of the earth, of our communities to be able to have these conversations in a way where it feels like a safe topic to talk about. It feels like I'm experiencing these things and they're normal and I can talk about it. I don't need to feel shame. Yeah, it needs to be so commonplace in the conversation that it opens up the doors for people. I mean, you think about any other social challenges that we have, I mean, race issues. Why the hell in our day and age do we have issues relative to race? You know, I mean, it's yeah. just the dumbest thing in the world. Or um, we recently had we're all a... skeletons. I think about that yeah. all the time. Yeah. We are all just skeletons. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I mean, we, we shouldn't be having to have those conversations. I believe yeah. we need to have them because we have not addressed or fixed everything. Just like we need to have the conversations like we had a, a few weeks ago with a gentleman that was on where we were discussing the uh, LGBTQ community. And why are we having those conversations? Like, why have we not evolved past that? And that we just treat people as human beings. It doesn't yeah. matter what your sexuality is. It doesn't, you know, we've made such a big deal, for instance, about pronouns. And, and I think to myself, why has that had to become such a big thing? Why mm-hmm. have we not just gotten to the point where we accept people for who they are, what they are, and, you know, we argue and fight over this. If somebody wants to be called he, she, or, uh, you know, they, them, or whatever it is, great. Okay, awesome. Let's do it and move on. You know, Honor I mean, it. Yeah. Yeah, accept people. You know, who the hell cares uh, at the end of the day? Uh, the, the, to the point where that becomes the thing we argue about. You know, if someone identifies in a certain way, the question is not about should they or should they not identify in that way? The fact of the matter is they do. And so if they do, then we accept them. We accept them for where they're at, and then we move on. And I think it's the same thing that we need to do with mental health conversation, with suicide conversation, with self-harm, with all of these things. We need to get the message out there in a way that is commonplace enough so that people can say there are safe spaces out there. Some of these people that I see, these Erica's that are beautiful people and it looks like they're living this beautiful life. Holy shit, she's still dealing with the same stuff I am. And so that's normal, that's okay, now I can go get help. Um, When we get to that point in our society, I think we have far less successful suicide attempts. 
And I think we probably have far less people that are getting to the point where they feel like they need to attempt it. I want to talk, I want to go back to something that you said earlier in the conversation. Um, and for our listeners who are listening to this and are wondering why Miles is not uh, asking some of these questions, because Miles had some great stuff to bring up. Uh, he had sent me a message that there is an entire blackout in uh, his section of Ohio, and so unfortunately he had to drop off. But Erica, you mentioned something earlier where you said when you made the decision that you experienced a sense of peace and calm, and that resonated with me in a very deep and, and hurtful way. Uh, because on Friday night, I was at a viewing of the brother of two of my really good friends. They are twins, and uh, growing up, we uh, we were I was always over at their house, or vice versa. And their 55, 56-year-old brother committed suicide recently. And the one of the brothers who I was talking to, he said, you know, Steve, I, I sat... Uh, with my brother over the holidays and for the first time in I don't know how long I didn't worry about him because he seemed so peaceful and so calm and he seemed so happy and he just he seemed to have taken the turn in a positive direction uh, and he said and I didn't realize that sometimes that is something that can be um, a signal that that's uh, you know that, that people have turned a, a corner in a negative way for our listeners out there who want to reach out, who want to help somebody who might be having these tendencies, these thoughts, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I something that really helped me actually, where there's a few different apps that you can download on your phone. Um, I, I really love those apps. And honestly, I, I tried the suicide hotline several times, several times, and it was really great just to connect with someone who just doesn't know who I am um because for me I reached a point where I was like I don't want to associate with anybody who knows me I just want to get away from everything and so sure. um I, I like I needed a bit of an escape and so that was really nice in a sense um <clears throat> and the apps were great but ultimately it comes down to um my best advice would be to write yourself a letter um, I have a stash of open when letters that are open when you think about doing it again. And I wrote that on one of my brightest days on a really, really great day when I was living in Hawaii and I just graduated from my 200 hour yoga teacher training and I wrote a letter to myself and titled it open when you want to try again. And it was a letter, <clears throat> excuse me that just expressed everything that I I was going through in that moment and I just listed trying to remember things honestly things to live for because <laughs> um, that's that's kind of what it comes down to I also record voice memos um, mm -hmm. in my happy moments I'll hop on my voice memo and be like it's you know it's like June 1st 2020 and you're in Hawaii right now and you're having a blast and this is happening you just slam with these sea turtles and you're here with the love of your life and you're so happy. Like you can be her again. You can do this. And so, um, <clears throat> okay. Um, and so just being able to have that, have that conversation with myself because I, I keep bringing back it's you versus you. Um, that's what it, I kept finding it would come down to. So when I find myself in that situation again, 
Um, I needed something to turn to that honestly wasn't wasn't somebody else. For some people that works and it, it worked for me for an extent, but I needed to just have those hard conversations with myself. Um, so I would say that that's so sorry, Steve, I have to run out of here really fast. One minute. Sure, not a problem. I think those are some great, uh, some great tips. Sometimes it does help to connect with somebody that doesn't know you. You know, far too often we, um, when we're in the midst of our challenges, um, we, we might lose some focus. And so somebody else can give us a different perspective. And, uh, and it also helps us to, to get a fresh perspective from an eye that uh, doesn't know us. But when we present our thoughts and how we're feeling, they can then look at it and say, hey, there, there's another alternative. I also really love what you talked about with writing yourself notes or leaving yourself voice memos because far too often we get into these uh, situations of uh, sadness, depression, anxiety, and we think we become myopic. We become very focused on that particular area and we forget that we can create something new. Um, I think remember is one of the most powerful words in the entire English language that if we can remember the good times, if we can remember our power, we can remember who we are during those times, um, that, that's a wonderful way to go. But that's a hard thing to do when you're in the darkness. So I love the fact that you say, hey, write yourself a letter, record a, record, record a message for yourself that you can listen to during those darker times. Beautiful. And Eric, I think that, you know, these are, like I said, these are beautiful messages that you're talking about of write, write yourself these letters, journal, record the messages to yourself because there, there will be times where you're going to need that. And those are great, great tools. Um, for our listeners who may know someone who is struggling, what can they do to support another person who's going through depression, who may have suicidal ideation, um, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. Um, as somebody who's part of a support system, it's very important for that person to ask the simple question, how can I support you best right now? Hmm. What, how can I support you? Not, what can I do for you? How can I help? How can I support you best? Are you going to feel most supported if I let you have your alone time? Are you going to feel most supported if I distract you? Are you going to feel the most supported if we go on a drive and talk? Do you want to talk about it or do you want to not talk about it? Do you want to pretend like it's the thing you're experiencing or do you want to be able to just go, we can go anywhere and not talk about anything at all, like talking about anything and everything all at the same time and um, giving those opportunities for that person to giving those opportunities for those people to tell you how they will feel the best support. Yeah. Verbiage is really important. Um, and and I learned that when it comes into inclusivity of all traumas in any form is it's, it's your verbiage is very important. And so not not trying to understand, honestly. Because the most frustrating thing is when you finally open up to a friend or family member and they're trying to understand. And now as I look back, I can give them empathy and appreciation for thank you for trying to understand what I was going through, but you're just you're not gonna understand. I'm not gonna understand what another person who's gone through these things is gonna go through. I like I, I understand my story and I know my story and I can give myself 
a little bit of an understanding based off of my story. Because ultimately it's all we're sharing these timelines with each other and we're sharing we're sharing these stories and um, it's gonna be so different for everybody. And so asking the question, how can I be, how can I support you best right now? And actually meaning it, uh, I never thought I would say this, but if you don't mean it, don't say it. Because I found times where I'd be reaching out to people who oh, call me if you ever need anything. I'm just a call away, I'm just a text away. If you ever need a shoulder to cry on, if you ever need anything. And I would like go and take those opportunities. Like, hey, I'm kind of going through it right now. Can I just talk to you? Like, ah, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm really busy. Like, can you just sit back? Uh, and then not return the phone calls or things where it, it, it just felt like, I was running around with a chicken with my head chopped off because I was trying to find someone to talk to when I just, I couldn't in the way that I needed at that time. Um, not that they weren't there because they were definitely there, but they weren't, it, it was what they had to say, those people at that time, what they had to say to me and what they had to offer to me isn't what was going to support me best in those moments. And I look at that time of my life as well. And there were a lot of I am in no way putting any blame or pointing fingers at anyone or anything at all. However, during this time of my life, I found the people who were present in that time of my life, they, they made things almost worse. And I even feel weird saying that they made things worse, but it, there was, there, it didn't feel like there was support there. It felt like it was more let's figure out what's wrong with you something's wrong with you so we need to go get you some professional help and it's like yeah like let's exactly let's fix you like you're broken and it was no i'm not broken i'm feeling these things just validate my feelings even if you don't understand what it is just to say oh yeah like i don't i don't know oh it's just it can get really really frustrating as um as the person who's experiencing it is trying so hard to not explode. For me, I felt like I was going to explode. Um, that's kind of the way I explain it. And then it just took one conversation with one specific person who's very, very close to me in my life. And what they said was just like, right, I guess that's, that's that then. And it, it just, it, it was very triggering and almost made, made things just feel worse it's not that it made things worse but it made them feel worse and so it's really important to have those conversations like you let me know how i can support you and offer like if you want me to shut up and leave you alone and give you all the space i will do that or if you know they say that they want you to shut up and leave them alone and give them all the space connecting with somebody else who also knows that person or maybe somebody else who's close with that person be able to connect with them and come to come to something together how can we help this person you know she's being really really distant she's pushing me away she won't talk to me at all she won't open up to me what's she doing with you maybe we could pitch in and go grab her some flowers and some chocolates and just go drop them off on her porch and leave a little note and we're still shutting up and leaving her alone but at least like there's little bits and pieces of support that we can put together and it's important to be able to to put your ego aside as a supporter to be able to really hold space for that person and holding space is uncomfortable it's not fun it can be triggering and it can be really really difficult but ultimately it's it's something that we as a society having these conversations more and more will learn how to hold space 
more and more and how we can show up for the people in our lives who experience these things in a way that is going to stop them because suicide is absolutely preventable. It's just a matter of we're slowly and progressively every single day figuring out how we can prevent it. And it's going to look different for everybody and those who have died by suicide. Oh, that's another thing. Um, something uh, where verbiage comes in, I just wanted to call in is saying um, it's now come a little bit, become a little bit, um, I don't know if it's derogatory, but a lot of people find it offensive when uh, people bring in terminology of saying commit suicide because it's like you're there. There's a lot of charge behind the word commit, and so um, what a lot of people have been saying now is died by suicide. It was their that was their cause of death, and so they died by suicide. They died, and it was by suicide, and um, rather than putting. I learned that it, it almost felt like it was putting blame on me. Like you're, you're, you're a murderer, you know, like you're all my first somebody else's, you're a murderer. Like I say that in air quotations because that's, that's kind of the charge that's come around um, the terminology of commit. But also to some people, it, it doesn't matter at all. I've just found through being in a community of um, survivors, they really like to hear that. Um, but anyway, the support system is, is definitely really important and being able to just, yeah, like I said, put yourself aside and understand that you're there just to hold space and it doesn't, it affects you, but it isn't about you. And also I would say the one other piece is honoring yourself as a supporter. As a supporter, you want to be mindful of your own feelings and your own emotions and your own experiences as well, because you also don't want to, you don't want to you don't want to be brought down with them, right, you know? Right. And that's what happens. Like, I don't want to talk to her. She always brings me down because she's always just depressed and it just brings me down. And it, it affects me, but it's not about me. It affects me and it brings me down. But I, that's where I get to sit with that, sit with the way that being a supporter makes me feel. Sometimes you sob it out. Last night I was there for a friend and I was just sobbing right there with her and off the phone with her and still sobbing, processing some of her some of her stuff and this understanding, okay, I need to be able to also honor myself as a supporter and give what I can give um, and not push myself past edges where I'm, you know, putting myself in a dangerous spot or putting myself in a potential on like just a, a situation that isn't particularly the best to be in. And so um, it, it, it really is kind of a difficult space to be in, and I've grown so much empathy, empathy, love, and respect for my supporters through the whole entire journey because I know it's been so, so hard, so, so hard on them, so, so hard on them. And so um, as a survivor as well, I, I really try to bring my mindfulness to focusing on that and being able to express my gratitude and appreciation. Like, man, that was a really tough, depressive episode I got through. That was a really tough anxiety attack. and you supported me perfectly. Thank you so much. And being able to really voice the way you feel um, about your support is establishing those boundaries. Like, you know, when I'm experiencing this and you say things like this, or these things get brought up, it, it, it really hurts. And it, it really triggers me or it, it's really difficult for me to process when you're mentioning these things, when you're talking about these things, or when you're doing these things and establishing what our boundaries are. When I have a support 
system, maybe one day I have a boundary of I don't want that person to see me in per like physically in person. So that's my boundary. I'll allow somebody in and I'll talk to them, but not in person. Mm -hmm. Or maybe the next day it's I will allow somebody in, but I don't want to talk. So my boundary is we're, we're not going to have a conversation about it. We're just I just want to hang out. I just want to go be a person. Let's just you know I, I I need to acknowledge it, but let it go. And this is what I want to do. And so uh, getting to know yourself and what you like and don't like uh, in terms of a support system um, is important and then also where you as the supporter establish boundaries like I, I'll be here for you today but I just maybe I can't see you in person because and even if you aren't directly saying this just to yourself like I my boundaries I, I can't go be with her in person it's just a little maybe too much today honestly like I'm not doing too well but I still want to be there for her but maybe being in person would just it, it'd feel a little too heavy so my boundary is I'm happy to have a phone call with you I'm happy to FaceTime I'm happy to show up in whatever way you need me to show up that's respecting both of our boundaries of, of what's going to be productive supportive and helpful yeah great great points on creating the boundaries on both sides and also, I think one of the most important things that I would love for our listeners to take away from this is understanding that holding space for people, being there, being a support, being able to ask those questions, but then also respond relative to what that other person's needs are, that is a, is a massive skill set. That's not something that you just do without practice. The ability to listen, the ability to empathize, the ability to feel, the ability to mm -hmm. shut the hell up when it's time to shut the hell up, to talk when it's time to talk, to just sit and feel or cry with somebody, you know, hold that space. That That is a massive skill set. And I think that's something that um, we can practice at any point in life that will be extremely impactful. Maybe you have a friend going through... Uh, uh, some uh, periods of anxiety or depression, or maybe you just are there as a friend in some sort of transition that your friend is going uh, through in life, or your children, or your spouse, or whatever. Develop those skills. I think that's a phenomenal message. Well, Erica, we are coming up on our time, and I want to thank you again for, for joining us. Uh, what an amazing conversation and some great wisdom and some great insight that you've brought to us. Um, we were, were sad that uh, Miles had the power outage and couldn't join us uh, for this full conversation. I know he was really looking forward to it. Uh, you, you build a lot of great content and put wisdom and care into what you put out in the world. And I want our listeners to be able to connect with you so that they can get more information um, learn more if, uh, and really follow your journey. Uh, so what is the best way for people to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I'm most active on my Instagram. That's where I really love to connect with people and I continue my mental health platform as well as now therapeutic yoga. Um, so that is just my first last name. It's Erica, E-R-I-C-A-A. -A -A. O-L-S-E-N, that's the Instagram. 
Um, and then for my healing business in terms of teaching, guiding, private sessions, sound baths, guided meditations, Reiki, healing, um, all of that is done through my business account, which is Moonrise Healing. I share that with my partner um, and we do all of that together. So we have our private clientele where we go in home, do stuff, sessions in home. Um, we also well, we have a studio space in Salt Lake. We also do virtual right now. We're based out of California. So we do um, be offering virtual um, <clears throat> like classes and distance sessions and things like that. So I'm Moonrise Healing. So you can find us on our website or on Instagram if you just search Moonrise Healing. Moonrise Healing, great. And we will link all of this in the show notes for our listeners. Uh, Eric Olson, thank you again for joining us. What a great conversation. I think, uh, you know, this to me was just the beginning. We could go on and on, and I think uh, we would love to have you back on in the future to talk more about this. It's a very, very important topic. I think it's, uh, like we talked about before, I think it's a topic we need to have more conversation so that it does become commonplace in the sense that we um, are there for each other and that uh, we create a safe space for people to talk about it. So Erica, thank you again. And to our listeners, uh, hey, uh, remember that it does take time and consistency to evolve your life. But first, you have to disrupt. But now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. Thank you for listening to the Evolve Podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at evolve underscore cast and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.